The following is a production of Galactic Netcasts. Hello and welcome to the production of Galactic Netcasts. I'm Gregor Sprague. And I'm Corey Scott. For all information on or for all info on this show, including show notes, description or subscription links, go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Netcast programs, go to gncast.com. On Else Nerds, we talk a lot of shit, and then we say some shit. And uh, that's your warning that we will swear. We'll also <laughs> probably spoil stuff, so enjoy that. Yes, I love that. <laughs> um, so real quick, before we get into the news, I wanted to share about why I have this wrap on my finger. Because I am an idiot, I'm a complete dumbass, and I called myself a dumbass numerous times when I did it. I assume it's because Tom Cruise has been cast as the new mummy, and since Tom Cruise exploded recently, you were finger-banging him at the time, uh, <laughs> and that's what happened. I wish it was a story like that, but no, it was. It happened at work. Um, I was opening the seal, the uh, thin, like, maybe two millimeter thick um, aluminum seal that goes on our trailer, Um uh, to help prevent tampering and all that stuff because if the seal's broken then they tampered with it and I got frustrated went like that pulling out with it in my hands and sliced the finger to the tendon <laughs> and I'm like and I looked down I'm like yep cut my hand open wait that's white um yeah I need to go to the ER got six stitches in my in my right middle finger for all you audio listeners out there um all 60 of you about because I we have the numbers now I could tell how many people are listening to us it's so cool sorry um nowhere near the ten thousand that uh, podcast of terror has over there Corey Scott I'm just saying uh, sixty people that we need to apologize for uh, <laughs> doing this week after week I don't think you're gonna get individual apologies at this point that's just too much I've already got asthma yeah um and I don't know if those are all from the from the mega feed. I don't care. We got 60 subs- listen we're averaging about 60 subscribers a week. That's more than what I would what I thought we were getting on our own. But anyways, on to the news and this one which normally would be a big topic is basically Netflix has quite a bit planned for the summer and they're kicking it off with an Adam Sandler movie and they're this is the press release that you're seeing if you're watching the video version. Um, and it's called The Do-Over, um, and it's already being advertised on there. It's uh, Adam Sandler and David Spade. But there are some other interesting ones in here that I want to get to. I was going to say, kicking it off or kicking me in the nads well, with yeah. the Adam Sandler movie. Yeah, depending on how you want to do it or how you want to phrase it, I've heard mixed things about The Cobbler, which was the first one, I believe, out of the Adam Sandler deal. Um, but in June, you'll get um, the first three Jurassic Park movies. Um, right at the beginning of June. Um, Spotlight will come out June 22nd. That's the Academy Award-winning Best Picture film um, about the Boston Globe that broke the child abuse uh, epidemic in the Catholic Church. Um, and then the Sundance hit and Netflix original film The Fundamentals of Caring will come out on June 24th, which follows Paul Rudd as a writer-turned-caregiver um who and his and his charge a foul-mouthed British teen with muscular dystrophy, um, and then there's also uh, Selena Gomez was in there. Oh, sorry, Ridiculous Six. Excuse me, I got the burps. Ridiculous Six was the first one, as Evan's pointing out. Um, in July, you got the Big Short, um, and then I'm gonna read this verbatim because it sounds hilarious to me. Also arriving in July for the first time are such classic family favorite franchises as Back to the Future and Lethal Weapon. When has Lethal Weapon been a family favorite? I I haven't seen Lethal Weapon, but I don't think you can really let your five-year-old kid see Lethal Weapon. Uh, I guess if your family isn't the Jews. No, I'm kidding. Uh, (laughs) I was 15 or so, I think, the first time I saw Lethal Weapon. Uh, that was when it was on videotape, and we just kind of rented it one night. Back when there was this thing called videotapes, yeah. and uh, stores that you could go to get those things, we watched Lethal Weapon a lot. And it was, I don't know that it was family beloved, but as far as the teenagers of me and my <laughs> friends, uh, we all thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. 
Um, and then August, you'll have the Netflix premiere of The Little Prince, which has the voice talents of Jeff Bridges, Rachel McAdams, Ricky Gervais, uh, Marion Cotillard, and James Franco. That is one that I'm really looking forward to. That yeah. got pulled at the last minute from being released in the theaters, and I was utterly disappointed about that. I was a big fan of the live-action Little Prince movie that came out in the maybe late 70s, early 80s when I was a kid. Uh, I love the Little Prince story. And this looked just beautiful when I was seeing trailers for it. So I was all excited about it coming, and then it disappeared. So I'm really happy that uh, Netflix has picked it up and is going to be distributing it. Yeah, and then the and then also appearing will be the Fast and the Furious, the Wedding Planner, and Saint Vincent. Which Saint Vincent, this is where it would take it would take me to get to watch that movie is on Netflix because I've heard such mixed things about it. I think it was on. Showtime, so I was seeing it advertised all the time on Hulu. Actually, but, I just watched St. Vincent uh, about a week ago, and I gotta say, it was a very sweet little movie. I recommended it to a friend at work afterwards because of some of the themes throughout it. I think Aaron and I both enjoyed it more than we expected to. Nice. Um, but then in September, and from September onwards, next Netflix will become the exclusive U.S. pay TV home for the latest films from Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilms, and Pixar, which is big right there. That, is, were... that is gigantic. That almost makes up for giving Adam Sandler carte blanche to make more shitty-ass movies. Yeah. Um, the... I mean, because I believe it was announced that Netflix in Canada was going to be the first place to get Star Wars The Force Awakens streaming, um, which I was like, okay, cool. Uh, VPN services are going to go up, and you're going to see a lot more people VPNing into, into Toronto to watch Star Wars The Force Awakens on Netflix. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is big... Because, I mean, the Marvel films alone, you got 13, uh, 13 or 14 films right there. You got the entire Disney catalog that they'll probably pick and choose. Like, oh, we're going to put it back in the Disney vaults. So sorry there, you Netflix users. You can't watch The Little Mermaid this month. Or, you know, whatever. But then all the, you know, Lucasfilm, you got Star Wars there, you got... Um, I think any isn't Indiana Jones tied to Lucasfilms? Indiana Jones is a Lucasfilm property, which now yeah. Disney owns as part of it. Um, <laughs> Evan saying they'll stream Song of the South. I don't think. So. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's probably really regionally classified, if anything. Um, yeah. Only by the way, I remember seeing Song of the like South when I was a kid. It 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 wasn't as bad as what people want to believe that it is, but. I was also a child and maybe just missed a lot of that. Yeah. I missed some own in, internal racism in my own family when I was a child, so <laughs> who knows. Um, now, I want to know, are we talking just movies, or are we talking about the animated series related to the Disney stuff? The Obviously, the Disney Channel shows. Those, but... which, those have already been in there, but it's been, like, but there wasn't, it wasn't like they had an exclusive deal um, you, you didn't get the like like the Degrassi next sort of deal like you have with it now. Um, <clears throat> like it just it airs similar to how like Arrow or any of the other TV shows that air um, that arrive on Netflix is it's like usually once the season is done and just before the new season you'll see new episodes of Girl Meets World is on Netflix. And it's everything that just aired 50,000 times by the time they get to the season finale. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing, too, is that there's been long rumored since before The Cell uh, that at some point there was going to be a Star Wars TV series. And it's one of those things that it, it gets talked Live about action. and then pushed away and then talked about and pushed away. But with the relationship that Disney through Marvel already has with Netflix of doing series content created strictly for Netflix, is it a possibility that this might be when we finally see a Star Wars TV series, essentially TV by being on Netflix, uh, made for the home consumer? Could this be when this finally happens, and could that be part of why this is happening, why this deal came about? 
I think that's a very good possibility because before um, in America it was stars that had the rights to all the Disney stuff. That's why if you were flipping through your cable channel or your cable packages, you would see Guardians of the Galaxy playing at 3 in the afternoon on Stars or Stars Encore. Um, and I'm like, oh. And I'd just be like, oh, okay, cool, because they throw Stars in now anyways with with your, like, you just go, like, first tier digital cable from any any cable, cable provider and like, oh, hey, we're going to throw in Stars for free because they're not a pay TV thing. Which, honestly, Stars is... I watch more stuff on Stars than I watch on any of the other cable channels. Yeah. Um, but no, this is all really interesting, and there will be more a more detailed list um, in the coming months. But I think they just want to be like, hey, here's the big, here's some of the big things coming out. You know, like mentioning the Academy Award winning um, movies that are coming out, and I think it, they would be, I think they might be exclusively on Netflix. I don't think it's a like. Like we're, we'll see it over on Amazon Prime. We'll be seeing the Big Short as well, or over on Hulu. Um, sort of. Deal. I think it's just going to be on Netflix. Yeah. One more thing to mention is uh, the the new original Netflix original movie Mascots from Christopher Guest is going to be on there, and the movie War Machine uh, from uh, well that has Brad Pitt in it, which is another U.S. military adventure. I was just gonna say War Machine. It's all about James Rhodes' recovery from falling in spoilers from Captain America: Civil War. That seems more interesting to me. But what are you gonna do? <laughs> but no. So, um, yeah. There again, great stuff coming out of Netflix. Those were just some some that's worth mentioning that they put in the press release. Um, the next one is one that I think came out last Wednesday. Like shortly after we, um, we were we signed off. There was the news, and I immediately actually no, it was because I immediately posted it to my friends who were trolling me that week about Batman versus Superman wasn't marketed to the. I'm like, yeah, but still, here's the thing: you sort of have to market it to the comic book fans, and you have to get the heart of the characters right. I was pulling, I was channeling my inner Corey Scott throughout the whole argument. Inner Corey uh, Scott, uh, usually handled by some sort of antacid. Yeah, um, but this Talk is... Talk to your doctor if you suffer from inner Corey Scott more than four hours. <laughs> that changed tone entirely. <laughs> it was only about two hours, so we're good. Yeah. Um, You're good, I'm um, dead. Yeah, uh, so Jeff Johns promises to bring hope and optimism to the DC film universe. Now, this is um, coming from... Uh, Warner Brothers DC Film Division head Jeff Johns, who is teaming up with um, oh what is his name? I cannot think of his name. Um, but it's Jeff Johns, and and there's a, there's a he has a partner doing essentially the Kevin Feige approach over at Marvel, where it for most part the the uh, the directors still have the say in their movies. But you're not gonna have the core characters, or or the core of characters change, just because you want to make this one type of movie. Cough, cough, Zack Snyder, cough, cough. Um. Yeah. Um. Let let's let's break into this a little bit. So Jeff Johns, obviously has John been Berg. The... Sorry, sorry. Yeah. John Berg is his partner. John Berg. Uh, but Jeff Johns is the name because Jeff Johns is the chief creative officer for DC Comics, has been for a number of years, has been one of their premier writers, arguably their fully like high-end writer, much like Bendis is over at Marvel, has relaunched in Rebirth uh, Green Lantern, Flash, wrote Flashpoint, which was the instigation of the New 52, is writing Rebirth to kind of get us back out of the New 52. Jeff Johns is kind of the DC guy. And this not only means he's going to be taking a a heavy hand in the films, it also means that he's not going to be writing comics for a while. Uh, After the issue of Rebirth that comes out, I think he's co-writing a couple of stories here and there. But for the most part, you're not going to see Jeff Johns doing a series. 
Yeah, he he's typically, from what I understand from doing from doing research on Rebirth, he's doing a lot of the one shots and co-writing with a, a lot of them. So he is doing the Rebirth one shot that comes out this this Wednesday. Yeah, which I would assume um, co-writing at that point is giving a skeleton idea of like this is what the storyline, this is who the characters are, this is where we're going, yeah, and and maybe that's it. But no new Jeff John series. He's not doing Justice League. He's not doing a Flash title, or he's not doing a Batman book he, or anything else like that. Wasn't he tied? Wasn't he one of the names mentioned with, or was that a different artist that was in the uh, the one Batman book? That oh no, it was sorry. Yeah, it was it was artist because it was Scott Snyder doing um was it all-star batman yeah scott center is doing all-star with i don't remember who i want to say but there um, was like a, a bunch of artists on there like well they they have to do a bunch of artists now because they're doing two books a month for a lot of their titles to try to even out what the the workload is so like in wonder woman Gregor ruck is writing the series the whole time but he's got an artist doing every other week, or every other book, I mean. So Nicola Scott's at one point and doing one storyline, and I, I'm i sorry, I can't remember who the other artist is doing the other storyline, but it's kind of like a back and forth between those two. I don't know if that's exactly how it's going to work for these other titles. I don't believe that it's going to be, um, you're going to read All-Star Batman or I don't think All Star Batman is actually bi-weekly. I think that might be the one title that isn't. No, All Star. No, there a few of them are monthly. Yeah. Um, but no, this one is twice monthly. Uh, All Star Batman. Um, but this one it does have um different artists. Um, it has uh, John Reader Jr., Jock, Sean Murphy, Paul Pope, Tula Latay, Afua Richardson, uh, Francesco, uh. Frank Avila and more. I just um, want to applaud your bravery, sir, of getting through all those names. Yeah. That was an amazing job. Uh, golf Thank clap you. to you. Golf clap. Thank you. Um, but no, there's side of, of of what this is. So yeah, what this basically is, I think, is um, not a step back of Zack Snyder. Is is leading the movies because Zack Snyder is still obviously listed as the director for the Justice League movies that are coming up and he doesn't seem to be getting taken off of that project I don't expect that that was something they were thinking about doing this is more of a are we getting people the best versions of these characters up on the screen a lot of the reaction and this is not across the board this is just some, some people felt that in Man of Steel and in Batman v Superman, there was not a Superman there. There was somebody else who was wearing Superman's costume, but didn't seem to connect with the audience and was underserved by these movies. Jeff Johns is basically coming in and saying, okay, so there is a darkness that's been permeating through these movies so far. We are going to change that. When when we say... Superman's symbol on his chest stands for hope. Maybe we'll try to in interject some of that hope into the actual movie uh, along with some optimism. Now, this has been across the board in the comics. That's kind of the tack that he's been taking with the rebirth, how he's talked about it, the things that are missing. You've been seeing this in the TV shows with uh, Berlanti. The themes of both the end of Supergirl, uh, which had a big speech about hope. It seems like the end of Arrow, which is coming this week, has a big speech about hope and believing mm -hmm. in something. Flash kind of did that in their second and last episode and then completely fucked you with it. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting that this is going across the board on all these different stories and that those are the ones that are getting positive reaction kind of across the board, whereas the reaction to Batman v Superman was split. Not a failure of a film, just some people felt really let down by it, and other people really enjoyed it. So I don't think this is taking away what maybe the people who enjoy Batman v Superman got out of it, but it is trying to make it a little bit more aligned with what the characters have acted like throughout mm -hmm. the 70-plus years of history. And, and that's the point that I've been trying to make to these guys, which... 
I, I give them the credit. They are doing, um, they are, you know, just coming at it from a non-comic book perspective and apparently not knowing many comic book uh, readers. But it was, it, it became frustrating. It's like, but no, you don't have, Superman is not a person who has to sit and think, well, should I save the world today? I mean, I have all this power. It's, no, I'm going to go out and save the fucking world. Oh, sorry, I'm Superman. I don't swear. I'm going to go out and save the world. Language. <laughs> um, sort of deal. And that's one of the things that I think with Zack Snyder, like having this, like, this, like, oh, yeah, we got Batman we, we can use now. And we're just going to do this really awesome film. It's going to be, oh, and it's just like, you miss the point. You miss the point of these characters. And I feel like that's what Jeff Johns is going to instill is like, hey, here's what you need. Now, a couple of things to keep in mind. Jeff Johns has been involved in the DC movie universe before because he was involved with Green Lantern and said Green but, Lantern looked awesome. Okay. And then it did not. But to to that same thing because I figured you were going to bring this up. So was Greg Berlanti. Yeah. I and, I completely I pull that out a lot on people. I'm like, "Hey, just because we think these guys are fantastic doesn't mean that they can necessarily come in and make a great movie. It it sometimes stuff doesn't transfer. And now Johns has history of working with Richard Donner, who did the original Superman movies, so has always had kind of this place in his heart of what that Superman meant to him and tried to bring that across in the comics mm -hmm. and has talked about bringing that across in the films. If you watch Superman Returns, that was kind of what that was. I don't know if Johns had any involvement in that movie, but that was obviously the nostalgia factor coming back. I don't know that we necessarily need to go pure nostalgia, but we knew we do need to have a essence of character for these things. And one thing that I would argue is that Zack Snyder does visually striking movies and doesn't necessarily understand those characters as who the people are meant to relate to on the film. Yeah, I can see Wonder Woman and Batman and Superman and The Flash and all these people punch people all day, and that's cool but I'm not emotionally connected to it by the end of the movie that way. And so maybe that is what he's talking about bringing in. The other thing that I think is really interesting in his, is in all this talk, a name that I don't see brought up at all is David Goyer. And David Goyer has been writing for these movies since the Batman series by uh, Christopher Nolan, has written for these last two films, and commonly is seen as maybe part of the reason why they've gone off the track. Because Goyer doesn't believe in these characters, and Goyer's done some stuff in comics, has done some really good things. And Goyer goes back to doing the Blade movies. Maybe not directing Blade 3 being his finest point, but the Blade movies were pretty cool when they came out. Mm -hmm. But Goyer's attitude towards some of these characters, I mean, famously he went and talked about his thoughts on well, Martian Manhunter, you can't call him Martian Manhunter because that name's stupid. Well, that's someone who doesn't quite understand the essence of Martian Manhunter then. Uh, and then he made some talk about She-Hulk being a porn star. Wow, I really don't believe I've ever seen that in the comics, Goyer. I don't know where you're getting this from. Maybe you're not the right person to go to for these comic properties after all. Yeah. Um, so if Johns has come in and in this deal, like it's not being said, but maybe if that's pushed Goyer out... Maybe that's what we really need. Yeah. And and that's, I mean, I say all this as a fan, as a fan of comics in general. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm reading Beat's comments here, which I think he might want private. Which is, which is stuff oh, Goyer said. Uh, yeah. Um, She-Hulk was created to be someone for the Hulk to have sex with, paying no attention to the fact that she's his cousin and uh, has an actual mind and will of her own, which well, no, makes no, her so, not the automatic fuck toy for the male counterpart. Yeah, you're forgetting the one key part of Goyer's history here. And if, if, if he's just going to re rewrite history of comic book characters, I'm going to rewrite his history. Par, par, he's, par, he's partially from Kentucky. Like he, he spent like his formative years in Kentucky. 
So you're saying that because KY is the initials for that state, that it's all about banging? Uh, no, no. Relate it to the She-Hulk as a character. I was just going to relate it to your middle finger being being uh, bandaged up, but that's fine. <laughs> Um, but no, so the next news story, um, to quickly get away from this, um, that, that rabbit trail is... To slide on out of it gracefully? Yes. Um, is Paramount's lawsuit against Axanar Productions, the Star Trek fan film, is going away. Um, so I heard about this, but I didn't know too much more about it. Um, so uh, this is from io9 um, and there's a quote in here a few months back there was a fan film XNR that was getting made and there was this lawsuit that happened between the studio and these fans and Justin I'll tell the story because he, he probably won't wouldn't was sort of outraged by this as a longtime fan we started talking about it and realized this was not an appropriate way to deal with the fans the fans should be celebrated or should be celebrating this thing Fans of Star Trek are part of this world, so we went to the studio and pushed them to stop this lawsuit, and now within the next few weeks, it will be announced this is going away and that fans would be able to continue working on their project. That is a quote from J.J. Uh, Abrams, I believe. Um, and this is pretty cool because this is how I feel like things should be. Like... Um, now, and to a certain certain degree, because you can almost say the same thing about the stuff that's going on with Blizzard's Overwatch and with the the things that they're cracking down on there. Um, but that's sort of a separate entity in itself. But with this, I mean, it was a fan film. Um, it, it's a fan film, and hey, he has respect for the franchise, Jer- uh, Jer- Justin Lin, I almost said Jeremy, Justin Lin is, uh, you know, a big fan of Star of Star Trek, and so, I mean, it's like, it makes sense to say, hey, they're not hurting your product, if anything, they're making it better, and you could possibly find talent in these people, hint, hint, look at Portal, the Portal short film written by Dan, Tra- or directed by J- Dan Trachtenberg, who is now directing movies for J.J. Abrams, Sorry. Um, but yeah, and then also came across with the news that the Klingon language isn't copyrightable. Yeah, I, I wonder how much of this is the fact that the lawsuit was not going well anyways. Yeah. So, so there's a couple of things here. A fan film is excellent, and you want to support the fans. And God forbid, you know, let's, let's, let's face facts. When it comes to fandom, there is probably nothing bigger than Star Trek fandom. Star Trek fandom happened before we even had the term fanboys or fangirls. It it was a movement that happened a long time ago. And I, no, wait, that's a different star or something. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's huge. It's gigantic. And in a way, yes, Star Trek belongs to the fans because Star Trek could not still be around today if it wasn't for the fans. The, the belief that they put into it the questions that they ask that maybe get a little weird and annoying at conventions, but those are the things that made the writers realize how important it was to them. When the original series went off the air and you know we were starting to bring them back in movies, it was these people who made that happen and who watched it blossom to get us more series, to get us more films, to have the relaunch happen. Maybe they didn't push us hard for a relaunch, but the, the new series is coming out. So you want the fans to feel involved. You want them to feel a part of it. At the same time, it's still an intellectual property. And you have to protect your intellectual properties. And this is split up between Paramount and CBS. Already there's some problems with the way things are set up so that sometimes it's hard to get shows made. It's harder to have these movie deals happen because there's already so many lawyers involved. Another thing is I'm always worried about fan film stuff when it starts getting kickstarted or Indiegogo'd or any of these things because once money starts changing hands, it goes from being a project of love and fans to somebody's getting paid for this and we're not. 
and that's a problem for an IP. And that's why things like the Klingon language becoming non-copyrightable, because someone went all the way out and created the Klingon language, and for years we've had it out publicly to people. It kind of didn't belong to the people who created the show anymore. It belonged to the world. But someone can come by and say, well, yeah, but I made the Klingon language book first, so it's mine. And that's a little hokey to think about, but that's because our copyright and our uh, intellectual property laws in this country are so messed up. Mm -hmm. And it's always important to lawyer up first, even if it makes you look like a dick. And a lot of times, you look like a dick. There's no way around it. And as a company, you don't want to do that to your fans. You don't want to say, look, we have to come down on you because it's the only way we can keep doing these things. If we lose the copyright, then we're not going to make these movies anymore and you're going to lose out as it is. You'll make all the fan films you want, but then some of them are going to be real shit and you're not going to know what's good and what isn't. So it's up to us to kind of protect that for you and for us, but we don't want you to stop loving us either. Yeah. And it's it's a really tough place to be. I don't envy the company that had to go through this, and I'm glad that they've got Lynn and Abrams coming out and saying, you know, we want this to be for the fans. We don't want to take this away from you guys. We want to support what you're doing. But that's the creative side, and there's mm-hmm. a legal side, and you always have to kind of weigh out the measures of both. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there was an update to the article that was at the bottom because, you know, put they put the updates at the bottom. Um, and XNR released a statement regarding the news, and basically they said that while they're grateful for the public support of J.J. Abrams and Justin Lin, or, yeah, Justin Lin um, as the lawsuit still remains pending, they want to make sure that they go through the proper channels and make sure that everything is settled with CBS and Paramount. Um, and they had no idea that they would that the announcement would have been made during the the event, the fan event on Friday. Um, and that they're they're doing their next steps. They're proceeding with cautious optimism. Yeah, and that's that's the way you have to do it. It's like, oh yay, we're free. Oh wait, what do you mean, lawyer in my butt? Okay, uh, yeah, I guess we weren't as free as we thought we were. Yeah. Um. So you you still have to you have to have caution in all of this. And I hope that the project gets made. There's been some fantastic Star Trek stuff that's come from the fans before, and even the stuff that wasn't great. You can just see how much love goes into it and how much these people are are trying to enhance this universe and this thing that they all feel connected to. And it's like cosplay. It's it's like any number of things that we all love as nerds and we support as nerds. But yeah, I get it that Paramount and CBS have to protect their stuff. It, it sucks um, because maybe the copyright should have ended by now. Uh, we just kept spreading out that Mickey Mouse law and this should already be something that belongs to the people. Yeah. So our final bit of news before we get into our nerding out things is that Jeff Goldblum and Carl Urban, Carl Urban, wow, don't know why I said that that way, uh, come to the Marvel Universe in Thor Ragnarok. Now, there have been a slew of, of people uh, brought into this movie uh, with these two being the latest, um, which w- this will also see uh, Mark Ruffalo come in as Bruce Banner and the Hulk, obviously. Um, the studio has also confirmed that Kate Blanchett and Creed's uh, Tessa Thompson will be joining Hemsworth, Goldblum, Urban, and returning series cast members Tom Hiddleston as Loki and Idris Elba as Heim, uh, or Idris Elba as Heimdall and Anthony Hopkins reprising his role as Odin. Uh, Kate Blanchett will play Hela in the film. Or he, is it Hella? Is that how they pronounce it? Yeah, it's like Southern California is so cool. Yeah. Um, in the film, while Thompson will, in fact, be giving life to Valkyrie, um, the character many assumed she would be playing. Goldblum, meanwhile, joins Blanchett in the villains column as Grandmaster, which... Not Grandmaster Flash, although no, that no, would no. be awesome. Take, take a pa- let's, I want to pause at that point right there. You have Grandmaster, played by Jeff Goldblum, who's partnered with The Collector, played by Benicio Del Toro. That's some pretty brilliant casting right there. That is some fly shit back yeah. to Grandmaster Flash. Um, <laughs> yeah, now the Grandmaster, I remember first seeing 
way back in the original Contest of Champions. Uh, so this is a huge throwback for me, and I guess now is in the continuity is related to the Collector. I don't know if that was always the case. Um, um, I, yeah, I, I do think they retconned it with the latest issue of... Um, or the latest series of Contest of Champions um, from over at Marvel, where it's like the Collector, uh, our Grandmaster, and then there's these other beings that got bored and started gambling because why not? Sort yeah. of deal. Um, and then Carl Urban will will take on the role of Scourge. Um, Scourge the Executioner yeah. uh, is one of Asgard's greatest warriors, and he's the son of a frost giant, I think? I think so. That, that sounds about right. Because if Scourge is the one I'm thinking of, um, which, let me do a search right now. Ball guy, big axe. Yeah, but yeah, it does seem about right. Yeah. I mean, so first of all, the pedigree of of these actors. I mean, we're we're skipping over Kate Blanchett, who is already super awesome, and and kind of is a type when it comes to these things. After seeing her in Lord of the Rings, she she fits the role of crossing over to playing Hela. Seems okay. Yeah, I could see why they would do that. Um, much like when they chose the guy from The Matrix to play the Red Skull. Uh, it, it was like, oh, well, it just seems easy to say we're going to put that person in here. Goldblum as the Grandmaster is just a wonderful choice because he's just so weird and lanky. I mean, he's perfect for, for looking like him. And I would love to see him up with the Collector because him and Del Toro can just outweird each other all day. That's some scene chewing going on that I just can't even imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm super excited about it. And then Carl Urban, who's just masterful in pretty much everything, and I really hope that his his Dread sequel gets to happen somehow. I mean, they're really pushing it right now. Put, put it to you this way. Carl Urban, the best part of the Doom movie. I, I can't think of any good part of the Doom movie, but that's fine. There, there, there was two. Carl Urban was was great in that. And then the end sequence where they pay homage to the video game Doom by having you go through hit being like being hardcore Henry before hardcore Henry in a way where you're sitting there, you're going through as Carl Urban's character doing all the shooting up until you meet the rocks character. And then big climactic fight scene happens in regular cinema because you know, it's movies and then hardcore Henry does it all in first person. And just like, Hey, you could have done this all like that, but you didn't because you were a chicken. I still missed Almost Human. <laughs> but no, yeah, so I mean, this is big casting news and it's just showing the state of Marvel and that they're getting really big name talent. Big name talent role. and going bigger in the movies. I mean, that was the thing too. Iron Man 3, hugely successful film, was not gigantic in like adding all these extra characters and stuff. It was still basically Tony um, mm-hmm. with Pepper and Rhodey and then the the couple of villains that they focused on in that. And, but Tony brings his own just by having so many different versions of the armor. But it was nuanced. It was still a, an Iron Man movie. Now, you can, you can argue that Captain America Civil War was more like an Avengers movie because of how many other Avengers characters were not only part of it, but were key to it. It it really hinged on having a lot of these characters be in there. This seems like they're kind of going the same way with the third Thor, is it's not just Thor, it's Thor and Hulk. And, oh, now we're going to introduce Valkyrie into this. Instead of having the Thor romance with some humans, that's not very interesting. We're going to have Thor you know, kicking it space-wise with some other superhero types. And, of course, obviously Loki's going to be in there. The Warriors 3 and Sif are going to be in there. Uh, Heimdall's going to be in there. Odin, again, even if it's just Loki as Odin. It's a lot of stuff to to really fill up these movies big time. And 
I don't see a reason why they would want to hold back at this point. I'm hearing a lot of rumors about the cast and the the predictions of who else might wind up in the Black Panther movie, and that sounds like a pretty huge film, and I think that's awesome because I want Black Panther to succeed at a level of these other movies. I want Black Panther to hit the, the billion-dollar mark in the mm-hmm. way that Cap 3 and Iron Man 3 have. I want Thor 3 to hit that mark, too. Um it definitely has an easier time of going up from where it's been, but I'd like to see it like be hugely well received at this point. Um, and I think Marvel's kind of picked out how they can do that now, but I don't want them to lose sight of the movies that can still be smaller and more intimate. And that's the only concern I have is that, you know, should we make team up movies? or team movies and have them be the big things. This is like what happens in the comics, too, is everything mm-hmm. starts to become part of crossovers, and you can't have single stories that just go through their own books anymore. Like, I started collecting Doctor Strange for Marvel, and I'm, like, all excited because, all right, yeah, I like this, these creators, uh, Jason Aaron writing it, and Chris Boccolo, uh, who's one of my favorite artists, drawing it. I'm really into this. And then by issue six... There's already some crossover happening where I have to buy this $5 book that's not part of the regular series just so I can understand what happens in part two, which is the next issue for me of the regular series. I'm like, well, what the fuck? You know, this this just began, and I'm already getting sucked into some other big crossover thing, and that happens too much in comics. I don't want that to happen all the time in films. Yeah. At the same time, the films haven't let me down so far, so fuck me. I'm just going to keep paying my money. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so that is it for the news. Um, and now it is on to nerding out. Where Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Go ahead, man. All right. So I'm going to talk about this, an overview of this season of the Goldbergs. Um, summed it up, I loved it. Um, but and as you're seeing right here, this is the image from uh, the, the final season of, or final episode of season three um, called Have a Summer. And this felt like a season finale. I mean, it was really weird because um, you have, um, this is Adam leaving high school, or not high school, um, Adam leaving middle school and then going into high school. Um, Beverly, his mom, finally realizing that he's not a little kid anymore and that she doesn't have to protect her or protect her little schmoopums or whatever she calls him schmoopy schmoopy from from barry who's going to be doing uh who's going to be pranking him for hell week um and you see other reasons as to why he's pranking barry or why, why barry, barry's pranking adam as it goes on um but then it was the one thing that made me feel like the most like this was a series finale as opposed to a season was the way it that Patton Oswald narrated it um, at the end. Like he's like, oh, that was the best time of 1980 something. And I'm like, oh, OK, wait, what? You got renewed. So what the hell? But also quick side note, I loved seeing. Um, you know that he dedicated this to his real life family, but then there was a another dedication to Patton Oswalt's wife. Yeah, which was which was great to see. Sad to see that it had to happen, but you know, great to see that you know they they threw it up there. Um, but no, I mean, are, are you watching the Goldbergs, Corey? Oh yeah, we we watch the Goldbergs religiously. Out of all the different ABC comedies, it's easily our favorite one. It may be our favorite sitcom at this point in general. Yeah. Um it it we just don't seem to get tired of it. Now I'm going to say uh Fresh Off the Boat came out and I wasn't very receptive to Fresh Off the Boat because it felt a little too much like the same shtick as the Goldbergs. It's set in a, a different decade. It's set in the 90s as opposed to the 80s. Uh, the family dynamic dynamic is is similar. The the overbearing mother, the father who's who's not necessarily absentee but is involved in his work more. Uh, the the three kids, the patriarchal, the grandmother as opposed to the grandfather living with them, and the connection between the main character and that grandparent. 
I, I found more to like about Fresh Off the Boat going on, but it still doesn't hold a candle compared to the Goldbergs for me. It's yeah. it's just so fun and funny, and obviously the A's are a time where it's real easy to just lose yourself to some of the different weird things that came out, you know, and all the great stuff and movies and everything else. It's I'm I'm a nerd who who loves to talk about all the things I grew up with, so it's kind of the perfect storm for me. Yeah. But the characters too. I mean. Beverly is tremendous uh, as the smother, and it is kind of like one of her favorite characters on TV, period. Mm-hmm. Um, she's just so overwhelmingly fun and funny. The ridiculousness of the show is great. Uh, the kids have, have all grown on me more and more as they've gone along. They're excellent actors and actresses. So it's just it's a really fun series, plus the way they integrate at the end, those scenes of Adam Goldberg filming his life and you realizing how much of it was taken directly from his collection of tapes um, and put into the show is just uncanny. I mean, you think sometimes, like, okay, this is really well written. No, no, this is really well quoted. I mean, this yeah. is like peering into somebody's actual growing mm-hmm. up, and that's it's and, just brilliant. And it was, it was great because the only part that really... Change that they changed was the Erica character, right? Because he doesn't have a sister; he has an older brother named Eric. Um, which there's one of the episodes that's a behind-the-scenes thing. Um, and they, so Adam Goldberg, the creator, he goes, "Well, why not make her? Why not make my brother a girl, and then bring her closer to our age? Because he's." I believe he said his brother's 10 years older than he is. Right. So by the time yeah. he was that age, Eric was already gone. She was essential to have be a part of this. I think there's just too many things that they wouldn't have been able to explore without mm-hmm. having a, a female character in there, especially in that age group. And then on top of it, I mean, she's turned into a really good actress. And the, the part that she plays in the show, I think, gets better and better all the time. I, I think it's obvious that she wasn't initially part of the concept for the way that they wrote around her almost at the beginning, she just didn't have the same kind of, of funny parts to play in the show. Um, but I think that they've let her stretch and do a lot more. Yeah. Um, and, and even the other characters like uh, Adam's friends, uh, JCP, the Laney character, all of them added so much to it. I think it's, it's just such a wonderful series. And it's one of those things that I, I worry because, you see things like you watch them for a number of seasons and I can't say that the middle is as funny now as it used to be or uh, the uh, modern family show is as good as it used to be but yeah. they're still solid shows it's just like after a while you kind of wonder how much more they can bring uh, and as the kids grow up it's like well, my... well now you're kind of looking a little weird kid you know yeah. <laughs> you're just like, how much can you do my, my problem with modern family is it seems like they're relying too heavily on the trope that they did pretty well of everyone call instead of doing like three separate stories, there might still be three stories, but they're all tightly wound together. Um, like there was the one episode of the house that Phil was selling that Haley and, um, Adam Devine's character. I can't think of what his, his name is. Um, they're in there to hook up. Meanwhile, Andy, uh, meanwhile, um, Luke is in there with uh, with Manny. To I think they're there with with some girls or whatnot. Yeah, everybody and, shows up at this house. Yeah, sort it starts to feel a little forced. Yeah, and it's like you're going back to that too much, guys. Come on. Also, it it I mean I'm much older than the the kids in the cast and stuff, but it's weird because I've seen them grow up. To see how much of it is about their, uh, their hooking up now, or you know them dealing with the opposite sex and stuff, and it's just like it feels kind of creepy to me because to me they're still kids. I mean, I know the girl who played Haley was an adult when the show started, but she never seemed like it. And I don't think she was playing an adult at first. She was playing a a, a teenager, mm-hmm. and it just it's weird to me to see her like having relations with Andy or whoever. And I, I also didn't like Andy as a character. 
uh, Adam Devine is too creepy in other roles for me to be convinced <laughs> that he could be a super nice guy in this thing, uh, which is not a slam on him. He's just so good in things like Workaholics uh, that to see him be this guy just doesn't click. And, and and that's the thing is I think that's part of the reason why I quit watching Workaholics is because I like the character that he does on Modern Family as Andy or even as Pizza Steve on Uncle Grandpa, which you could say is almost that middle ground between Andy and um, his character on, on uh, Workaholics. That's like, you know, I'd rather stay over on this side as opposed to dive into the full-on craziness of workaholics. Yeah, and speaking of, I mean, not that I wouldn't mind seeing the show burn to the ground uh, in the celluloid that it was filmed on, which is probably not true, it's digital, but how are they dealing with the kid who plays Adam's voice as, as a character on Clarence? Oh, um, that one, I think he's still... He's still well. They could do one of two things. They can either have just keep having him do the voice, which I don't think they're doing yet, um, or they can do what they did with uh, on Gumball, where they recast him. Yeah, get a sound alike. Well, well, no, it's not even a sound alike, um, because I don't know if you if you remember seeing the episode of um, oh, what was it called? Um, I think it was called The Voice on Gumball. Where they do the it was the last episode with the first kids to that played Gumball and Darwin, and they had this song, um, you know, uh, we enjoy it while we're now or while we're young, we enjoy it while we're kids, uh, that that rap that they did, and then, and they're the new the new cast. I don't even think I caught that. Um, hold on, let me let me let me get the actual name of the episode. Yeah, but as far as the Goldbergs, Goldbergs is. A stellar program. Every episode, and you kind of saw this when they did the behind the scenes, is the episodes do follow the humor, 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 and then at the end it's like, here's our sweet moment, here's our our give back of like, this is about a family, this is an emotional connection thing that you got to have, and they, they do wrap it up. And this episode obviously did that very well, to the point where you thought the show was over. Um, and I get that. And it, I mean, it's they, kind I mean, of like, left... by the time the kids get done with high school, with, with Erica, um, well, should be the first one to graduate probably, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of curious, like, how long they stick around to keep this going. And I hope it doesn't become one of those things where we got to put new kids in there to, to keep it fresh. Uh, that always frustrates me. It's like, here's where we have a kid out of the blue just because and then he's going to age four years between this season uh, where we take care of a baby and the next season where it's like suddenly he's walking and talking and, and going to the bathroom by himself and you just missed it somehow. Yeah, I mean it's it is one of the things and I believe the episode I found the, yeah, the name of the episode is called the finale the, from Gumball. Um, if that's the one that I'm thinking that it was, or, or no, it was the kids. Well, I will try to find it on my own. There's no it, reason to. It, it was season two or season three. It was one of those. It was either the last episode of season two or the first episode of season three. Um, where they had, yeah, this, um, yeah, the, it was the kids. Was I'll figure episode. it out. Yeah, sorry. Um, but no, I mean, it is because, I mean, the Goldbergs, they did leave open some things. Like, they had um, Erica realizing she she has a, she's in love with, um, oh, God, I can't even think of his name. Um, the, the one kid who was pining after her the whole, the whole season, and they called him Ducky in this episode. Um, and, yeah. Um, sort of deal. So yeah, I mean, Goldberg. Yeah, Jeff out. Schwartz is who you're thinking of. Yeah, Jeff Schwartz. Um, so they left that open, but yeah. So Lady Dynamite. This is the new Maria Bamford show movie. Is it a movie or a show? It's a show. It's a it's a series. Uh, so Maria Bamford is one of those insane uh, comedians, kind of alternative 
She was in a show that had Patton Oswald and Brian Posehn and Zach Galifianakis, uh, the comedians of comedy. Like there was the kings of comedy, there was the queens of comedy, and then there was the comedians of comedy, uh, which I thought was was pretty perfect for them because they're just so all off kilter. Um, Patton's probably the most mainline, mainstream comedian out of them. That's just because we've seen Patton in everything for so long. Uh, this is suitably weird uh, for Maria Bamford. It's kind of telling about her story of she's just recently gotten out of therapy, she is getting back into doing comedy and doing stuff again. She's working with her her agent, Bruce, to kind of figure out what she wants to do, and he, he sets her up on this idea of well, why don't you build a park bench in front of your new home? And she's like, yeah, I'll do a park bench and then invite people over and they can all sit and it'll be like the community park bench. And everything community is like, fuck you and your bench. Um, and they call the cops on her. The cop is actually played by Patton. And then later on, uh, Brian Hussein shows up as another one. But every time they show up, they're like, Okay, so we got to talk to you about this bench, and then they break character and like, look, you're not going to actually do stand up in your show, right? Because that's bullshit. That never works. You know, it's like it's been done to death. Louis does it. Louis's going to be pissed. And you know, Seinfeld did it. Like, you, I've done it on my two pilots. Oh, you had a pilot? Yeah, they didn't work out. All right, that's why I'm telling you not to do this shit. And then, like, it just goes on. It's like, well, I'm not going to do stand-up. I'm just going to go up on the stage and tell stories. No, shut up. We're really worried about you, Maria. You can't do that. And I got cast for this as a cop, and I thought, as a love interest, I'm not going to get to make out with anybody in this, am I? It's just, it's so weird, but it's got such a great cast of people. Um, her parents are played by Mary Kay Place uh, and Ed Bigley Jr., who were both in Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman together. Uh, Anna Gastar shows up in this. Uh, her two best friends are Bridget Everett and Lennon Parham. Lennon Parham, you know from that uh, show on USA. Yeah. No, the the cast is freaking awesome. It is. From, from looking epic. at the Wikipedia. And just with how you've described this, I now have a problem. I, have, I still have too many TV shows I need to watch. I have too many Netflix shows I need to watch. I mean, I didn't even... I only watched the first episode, and I stopped there strictly because... I knew that I had to watch it with, with my wife. Uh, as soon as I told her the, the title of it, she's like, oh, yeah, we're watching that. But it's so funny, and it's so like her kind of humor. Uh, Stephanie Weir and Mo Collins from uh, Mad TV are in this. I guess at some point her boyfriends are played by the different Supermen, so Brendan Routh plays her boyfriend in one, and his character name is Jack Tripper, which is from Three's Company. And then Dean Kane, I guess, plays her boyfriend in another one. Yeah, he's Maria's, he's Graham, Maria's ex-fiance. Yeah, I mean, it's, the show starts out where she's, it. it's kind of like, I didn't know that it was supposed to be a sitcom at that point because it's a commercial and it's about hair products and stuff and, like, it's just so weird and so funny and so off and exactly what you wanted to be uh, in the first episode because of the the park bench thing and some other things, she winds up going to try to do a a charity thing for Mark McGrath from Sugar Ray for his charity, Open Arms. And she realizes after she promises to do this that Open Arms is actually a charity about open carry laws to be able to carry guns around and stuff. And she's like, oh, I can't do that, but you can't say no now. And so it's just like she's standing there trying to do the non-stand-up in the show because she doesn't want to piss off her comedian friends. Uh, John Mulaney shows up for this as well. Uh, and so she's like, she's trying to tell stories and people are just firing guns off into the air in front of her. She's like, maybe we don't fire the guns. Maybe we just <laughs> uh, And they just like keep shooting. It is, it is a blast. It is just so over-the-top, unexpected. Um, and again, one of those shows that I don't think would happen in other places and certainly not get noticed in other places. Like, maybe Comedy Central would have done this at one point. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not quite far away from the stuff that they used to do, but it is the kind of stuff that would get made and get one season and disappear. And I'm hoping that that's not the case for this because it's just so good. 
and there's nothing really else like it that I've seen um, because it's it's her voice. It's so totally suited to what her humor is, and I think she's hilarious. I've always enjoyed her, but she, I can't define her comedy. I can't say what she does other than the fact that she does the the different voices and stuff when she's she's up on stage. It it's just so much more than that, and uh, I was really glad to see this, and I was glad to see all her friends show up in it too. Yeah. Um, so real quick, our big discussion is going to be more of a smaller discussion, um, and it's the an overview of the TV shows. I'm going to include a link to the TV shows that got renewed um, from from TV by the Numbers, which they have a real uh, a whole list of stuff. But there's a couple that surprised me, starting with the Odd Couple. And this is not because it's bad. I, I enjoy The Odd Couple. It's not because it's good. Well, no, it's because they've been airing them twice weekly. They've been airing new episodes on Mondays and Thursdays. And that, to me, usually says, burn the episodes off. Not, we're renewing it. Um, The next one is another CBS show, and that's Zoo. Did you even remember that Zoo existed? I I mean, Zoo kind of came in the same way that the Dome did, which is this event thing spectacular happening over the summer that probably hit its limit of how far it should go, maybe not even before the, the season was up. It's like, and so all the animals are attacking, and we're going to see how far we can stretch this. What? People are still watching this shit? All right, I guess we'll throw them another season, see how that works. Yeah. And the other, the other cool thing that's with this, um, that they put with this is th- that they have for the cable networks um, on here. So the librarians is renewed um, over at TNT, uh, Man Seeking Woman um, over at FXX, Marin, Master of None is renewed, um, The Meltdown with Kamal, with Jonah and Kamal. Um, Baskets, which is yeah. another one where I'm like, how the fuck does that happen? Yeah. Um, and all that. It's just really cool. Shit's Creek over at Pop. Not a swear. I love. I love the name of uh, the name of that show just because it's not a swear. It's it's so cool. Um, but yeah, and, you're twelve. I am, dude. <laughs> have you have you seen any of the episodes of Late Night with Jimmy Fallon? Whenever he has Eugene Levy on there. No, he's like he goes. I have he ha, he has a car. Uh, one of the plate uh, like the placard things that he puts up that has the logo for Shit's Creek. Whatever he's like, yeah, he's got this show, and he starts laughing like I am laughing right now. Um, basically, I'm saying I'm a fat Jimmy Fallon, fat, not even quarter talented Jimmy Fallon. Um, but no, yeah. So it, there's a whole list of stuff over there. Um, like I mentioned last week, Supergirl got moved from CBS to the CW. Um, there's also news, real quick, that, that there's going to be a tie-in between all those DC shows now, um, which could be cool, could be interesting. I don't know. Well, um, we'll have to see. I mean, yeah. at this point in time, I'm super happy to just not ever watch Arrow again. Um, and so if this is going to dick me, like Doctor Strange, six issues in, uh, I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do. Yeah. But You're the Worst is coming back, and that's all that really matters. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Speaking of shows that I don't know where they're, how they're going to go from where they came from or where they left us, it's like, oh, gosh. Um, but that about wraps it up for us here because we have been going long. Um, you could, uh, We have a Patreon because we are here. We are members of the Galactic Netcast now. Ow. Slam my finger. Um, LAUGHTER <laughs> The bad Please part. support the Galactic Netcast. Uh, make a wish for Gregor Fun because he's obviously <laughs> going to kill himself by getting gangrene in his finger. No, uh, see, it's, it's not the stitches. It's not the stitches. It's like if you no, see, it's the moron attached to the finger. I know yeah, what it is. But there's cuts here on the on this finger. There's a cut that will not heal until I get the stitches removed and I could take this off right here. That I just went smack like mm, things. But anyways, we have a Patreon over at uh, Patreon.com/slash Galactic Netcasts, um, or you can find them over at GNCast.com. Um, and there's so many cool things that we are adding all the time to it. Like for you pledge a dollar a month, that's 25 cents a week, and 
which we'll collect in the beginning of the month and one monthly payment. Um, and you get into our, our Slack channel, our Slack th that we have, where we talk all the time um, about random stuff. About new It is random. And um, and it can be relatively safe for the kids. Uh, Got to get it, Dave, because he did swear there the one one time. Um, and but we do have swearing channels, a swearing channel where, or well, swearing channels because we got podcasts here which you could swear all the time in there. I'm pretty we sure service you guys everybody. Uh, yeah. Another thing that was mentioned about the Slack uh, today is that we're trying to work in a way for people to be able to submit stories for the different shows through the Slack channel. Um, so yeah, pay us so that you can also do the work for us. That's how we do things. Welcome. Yeah. Um, or and you can contact us by leaving us a voicemail at eight zero five three two eight three nine six six. I encourage you guys, please do that. I want to hear some interesting stories. What's your favorite show that's getting renewed? What's your favorite show that got canceled? What's Either, wrong with your finger? Yeah. What's wrong with your finger? Yeah. What's right um, with your finger? Uh, uh, right now nothing. Yeah. Um. Or you could send us, you can drop us an email at mail at elsnerds.com. And for all the subscription options and links, they can be found under gncast.com slash subscribe. Um, and you could join us on our Facebook page at under, or at Galactic Netcasts. And you can follow the show, our show on Twitter at elsnerds. You can follow the network at Galactic Netcasts. Follow our producers, Beatmaster is at Beatmaster80. Evan is at Mr. Underscore Fusion. I'm that Gregor. Corey, oh. I'm Don't Ask Comics. You can right, just go to my website. It's don'taskcomics.com. It's so easy. You could write it down. They're all like small words. Uh, most has six letters. You could probably spell it. Yeah, I can. IT. Thank you. <laughs> but the last thing you can't to keep say... your finger from getting cut open when you're opening stuff you shouldn't open. Well, no. Uh, I, yeah. No, see, all it tells me is. And where is it at? Oh, no. I don't have it. Crap. All it tells me is I just need to bring this to work. I just need to bring tools. Um, You're the tool. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. Uh, but the last thing is said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else. You have been listening to a production of Galactic Netcasts. For more about this show and others, go to gncasts.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.